good. Um, I'm Naria, and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll be doing the Bible reading today. It's Genesis chapter one, verse one, to Genesis, Genesis chapter two, verse three. Yeah. Mom told me to read over this last night, and I lied and said I did, and instead scrolled YouTube Shorts. So if I mess up, that's why. <laughs> okay. Woo! Uh, in, the in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of, of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. He separated the light from the darkness and called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. <laughs> and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made a vault that separated the, waters, the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called sea. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it, according to the, according to the various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plant-bearing seeds according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in, in according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as sight to, to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on earth, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the less greater light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give lights on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and, and to separate the light from, the, from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water team the living creature, what the frick? Yeah, let the, let the water team the living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created a, the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with, with which the water teams and, and that moves in about it. According according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the waters in the sea, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the cre creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and all creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, 
over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every seed that has and every tree that has fruit seeds in it and they will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth the, and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground everything that has the breath of life in it i give every green plant for food and it was so god saw that the he had made that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the seventh day thus the heavens and the earth were completed yeah completed in the vast array by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing so on the seventh day he rested for his from all his work then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Boom, done. <laughs> yes, great job. All right, that was a long reading. Um, and and in fact, it's sort of sort of a bit of a a long morning here. So I want to give you the opportunity uh, before I kick into this message. Um, if you're, a, if you're a crafty person who likes to draw, we've got some clipboards uh, and pens with a picture. It's, it's colouring in, actually, this time around. So I want to invite you, if you have got, you know, if you're a, a colouring innerer, for the next few weeks, we'll put pictures out. And they're kind of cool pictures. They're these kind of pictures. If you want to bring your fancy colouring in pens that you lock up away from the kids and nobody can touch for the next few weeks. Um, yeah, I'm married to someone like that. <laughs> Do, do bring them, you know, and, and grab some of these pictures. I think uh, you would love, uh, I think, to, to just enjoy that sense of adding colour to, to, to what, what's being said here. At the same time, if you need to get up and make yourself a cup of coffee or tea, um, not that we're going to be all that long, but feel free to do so. You're more than welcome to um, just move around and uh, stretch your legs and make the day work for you, all right? I was to ask you the question, where do you come from? We'll just focus on the first one. I can add more questions. Where does the universe come from? What's my relationship to the world in which I live? You know, where, why am I here? What's my ultimate destiny? What's my future? Where am I ultimately going to? Why are some things that happen in this world and to my life good? And why are some things that why are some things bad? Why do bad things happen to me? Where do I find help? How do I cope? How do I make it through life when bad things happen to me? What helps me? What is reality? What is ultimate truth? Is there actually something like that? Can it be known? 
Back to the first one. Where do you come from? Dust of the earth, Stan, yes, yes. I mean, that's a poignant question, isn't it? When you dig deeper, to, deeper than where's my address, where do I live, who are my parents, what's my, what's my you know, ancestry.com sort of level of how far back, but are the deeper questions, who am I? We, we, we're kicking off this series on, on the book of Genesis, right? And our kids are going to go through that, we're going to go through that. Um, we're only, over the next few weeks, going to look at Genesis chapters 1 to 3, just the first three chapters. Because it, I would argue, more than anywhere in the Bible, would help us to understand the answers to these questions. They're phenomenal chapters in the Bible. And what I'll do now for two minutes, I'll just give you the brief introduction of the, the book of Genesis, and then we're going to launch for today only in the first two verses. We just want to see what they say. Um, we want to work nice and slow through this. Book of Genesis, the word Genesis means beginning. It's a book about beginnings. Hebrew word Bereshith, I think is how you say it, is beginnings. Uh, the book was written probably roughly about 1350 before Christ, 1500. So I'm not talking about the date of the events that it describes. I'm talking about the literature itself, right? It's about 1350 before Jesus Christ was written most likely by a man called Moses, probably edited over time, but he would have had the main hand in its composition. And it was written very much to people who belonged, believed in God. It's written to explain to you, to me, then and now, to the church, what does it mean? to be the people of God? What does it mean to belong to God? The answers to these key questions that I've put before you, that's, that's what it's trying to describe, particularly the first three chapters again. And then it goes on into a lot of history from chapter 11 onwards. The book itself, not that this all that important, really just breaks down like this. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, it's introductory, introductory verses to the whole book. We're going to look at that today. And then chapter 1, verse 3 to 2, verse 3, that's where I got Naria to read up to you. That is, a, that is a poem. It's called a prologue to all of what's going to follow. Right? Sort of sits a little bit separate to the rest of it. Ryan's going to take us through that poem over the next two weeks, what we learn from that. And then from 2, verse 4 onwards, it has this sort of formula that it says, this is the account of or the generations of, and there's 10, possibly 12 sort of cycles of describing the history of um, people, Adam, Eve, Noah, Abraham, and so forth throughout the whole book. Genesis 1 to 11, sort of what they call primeval history, that's really old history, beginning of the world type stuff. And from chapter 12 onwards, you talk about patriarchal history, that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Joseph story, and so forth. That's how it breaks up roughly. Where for today, just doing this bit, just the first two verses, right? Returning back to our questions, we want to ask ourselves, what is the answer to these questions? Where do I come from? And we're going to look, as I said, at Genesis 1, verse 1 to 2. I want to break it up by simply looking at it 
progressively. We can look at the first five words there in, in the English language. In the beginning, God created. This brings us to the question that's been asked over history so many times. What was the great first cause that made everything happen? Aristotle, the great philosopher, said, yes, there's cause and effect, things we can observe, but behind that, there's a first cause. There's, a, there's something. We, we, we must conclude that something started everything, right? It, it comes from somewhere. What is it? Where do we come from? And, and what this gets us to look at, without even realizing it, is, is your worldview. How do you see the world? This is one of the fundamental questions that your worldview needs to answer. And I want to take you through a little exercise this morning on this whiteboard that explains to you roughly what are three ways. It's, it's very simplistic and there's lots of subdivisions. Um, but, but really, I'll put it to you, there's only largely three ways in which people answer this question. And I'll explain it to you and then apply it to you. Okay, this is, stay with me here as I draw and you try and make sense of my drawing. And be assured that it's it's relevant. It's really relevant. It's, it's not a waste of time. Um, the first way people roughly see this whole scenario is that there is God or something that began everything. Then there's a gap. And then there is whoops, the world. Okay? So... so Here's the world, here's everything we see, here's everything we know, and we suspect that above all of that, the first cause, what started everything, something or someone started it, but it's too far away, it's too transcendent, we can't know, it's impossible to know, right? And so we see various ways of thinking, making guesses. Now, I could, there's lots of um, labels I can go with here. I, I want to just single out some that are relevant, I think, for us this morning in our lives. I'll put a, a, a label here that um, atheism or naturalism typically fits this view because it says to you, to me, that we can observe the world as we see it and as we can measure it scientifically through scientific processes and there are laws that explain how things work, we can look at that, matter, energy, and so forth, and then we can work from the bottom up and say that, well, something must have started all these laws that we can observe, but we don't actually know what it is, right? And so that's where we end up with things like theories. We've got evolutionary theory. We've got, um, you know, the, the Big Bang theory. Uh, we may have other theories, but theories are exactly that. It's, it's a scientific word to say that it's perhaps a highly educated guess. Perhaps even a belief. Can't be proven in a lab through science. Something started what we can observe, but that's something that's very far away. Unknowable. Maybe in time as we smarten up and our science gets more advanced, maybe we will know, but for now we don't. There's a second way of thinking about all this, and that is to say that 
uh, God equals the world. The world kind of is God. Right? There's a supernatural divine spark in everything that's living. So movies like Avatar or that depict that really well, this world. It's called pantheism. It's the ugly word. There's a living supernatural life force in anything. Extreme forms of, of environmentalism uh, would say, yeah, that's why we need to look after the environment because it in itself is divine, right? Now, we're going to talk about environmentalism and why it's precious, then we need to be very attuned to that as Christians. But, but the extreme form would say, hey, um, the creation itself, what you see around you, the world, it, it is divine. You've got to be very careful with it. There's something very spiritual about it. The age in which you and I live in seem to say to us that uh, and this is way, way more relevant, actually, than the other one at the moment, is that you yourself are the ultimate authority in the cosmos. You are God. You retain the right to choose who and what you want to be and the extent to which you can liberate all and unshackle yourself of all desires is the extent to which you will be free and happy because you yourself, really... It boils down to the fact that you are God. That, that's this worldview. It too is really unclear about how all that started. It's no real clarity. But that's what it boils down to. Then there's a third one, for which I don't have a lot of space now. All right? That says, there's God, and then there's the world. One that says that there is a God. This is Genesis. In the beginning, God created the world. Yes, he's far away, and there's lots about him that we cannot know. But he's also very close. The world exists within him, within his hand. He's also actively involved. And the rest of Genesis is going to point that out. He's not just a transcendent, faraway God who can entirely not be known. He's also a very imminent, very close, very personal, very near God. And the whole story of Genesis is to make you get to know him. Story of the whole Bible. Why is this important, folks? I'll take you through this little lecture. I'll give you three reasons why this is important. Number one, you are not stupid to believe that there is a God or a creator who started everything. The idea that it is proven through scientific method what the first cause was is a lie. It's false. I can also not prove to you through scientific method that God exists. No worldview can prove, no one can prove to the other through scientific method that God is real and that God created. We arrive at that conclusion ultimately by what we choose to believe. All worldviews need to come to the point of what do they believe. Which means that you're not dumb. You're not an idiot for saying, I'm not so sure 
when it's being forced upon you. If you're going to go to uni, you go to school, outside of Christian school, it's, it's peddled commonly still in this day and age that of course the world came from some sort of scientific explanation of expansion, matter, energy. Only an idiot would believe otherwise. No, that is highly arrogant assumption. You're not an idiot to believe it. The Bible doesn't explain to us how God did it. You might be an idiot to make some assumptions on how he did it. Ryan's going to talk more about that. I'm not talking about that today. I'm simply talking about whatever the first cause was, was God. The second one, number two, uh, you are not God. Okay? When Genesis says, in the beginning, God created, there is a Hebrew word used for create, it's called barah. That word for create in the entire Bible is only ever used of God. Only God can make something out of nothing. Only God can make good. Only God can bring about good out of bad. When humans are described as creating, making, or doing something in the rest of the Bible, it's a different word. And it's very important because this too is a massive cultural lie. You live in a culture that says to you that you can create. You can barah yourself, your own identity, your sexuality, your gender, your everything. You've got it all within you. This is a far more relevant lie in our day and age. It's not true. It's only God who created who somehow, even though we don't understand how, brought into existence what we know, and in Genesis we will find that he has some things to say to us about who we are, what we are, what life is about. It's not up to us, right? Don't fall for the lie. You were to ask yourself the question, where are you from? And this is my third point. <laughs> you come from God. One of the great Christian lecturers is a mathematician by trade. His name's John Lennox. I want to take you through a little story and then I'll move fairly briefly to a conclusion. He tells a story that in your body and my body, in each of the si single each single cell that lives in your body, rather, there is the longest word ever written. It's the human genetic code. Approximately 3.4 billion letters that determines what you are, what you look like. <laughs> There's no other person on the planet that looks exactly the same. And John Lennox says to us, I'm using his example, if I was to go down to the beach here at the bluff and I was to write Claire in the sand and one of you would come upon that word, your logical, rational inference would be that someone wrote that. Right? How that person did it, you might not know, but your logical and most reasonable explanation for why that word got there is that there is an upwards inference that 
Somebody wrote that. My dear friend, the word that you are was written by the hand of God. <laughs> You're not an accident. There's nothing about you that can be explained by randomized chance. And yes, can I prove that in a science lab? No, but can I say to you that the most reasonable and the most logical thing to believe is that you somehow are a product of an infinitely great God who began you and who wrote you. Every bit of the 3.4 billion letters that spells Claire, Rob. That tells you off the bat that you have meaning and your purpose and your hope and everything about who you are and where you're going comes from that place. It is enormously important. And you know what? You get all of that from the first four words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. God made. God set in place. We see something already of his greatness, his goodness, the design of what makes and what will make life the full, happy and joyful encounter that it should be. That's the first thing we see in these two verses. The longest thing for today. Let me move on to the rest. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Poetic language, heavens, earth, everything. It's called the merism. You name it, whatever can be seen, whatever can't be seen, all of it, all of it, the entire cosmos, God made it. Don't know how, not what Genesis is trying to tell us, but it does try to tell us. However he did it, it's God. Right? And then it moves on. It kind of pivots now, going from the grand down to the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Um, one writer kind of says, you know, the earth was formless and empty. I loved going to um, Welcome to Bethlehem. Uh, there was a pottery class there that you, not class, but you could sort of make your own pot, right? Um, someone lovingly volunteered that. And watching how that happens is there's a lump of clay, right, that gets slabbed onto a table or the, or the whatever they call the, what do they call the thing that shapes it? Pottering, yes, yes. And it's a bit like, I don't know if Genesis does the same thing, and it's literary, you know, it's formless and empty. That, that lump of clay that gets lugged on that pottery wheel is pretty formless and empty. And then it begins to be shaped. And God does this similar sort of a thing, or at least the story, the narrative works that way. The earth is formless, it's empty, it needs to be shaped, right? And then there's this word, darkness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. That word... Can I put it to you, and this leads me to my conclusion, is an enormously important word. Our inclination is to go that this is talking about the absence of sunlight. It's going to talk about, you know, the sun is not created yet, therefore we don't have daylight and the planetary system and so forth. And yes, it at least refers to that. But I, can I put it to you, it refers to much, 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 much more. You see, Genesis is a book of beginnings. Beginning of the world, beginning of the cosmos, beginning of everything we know. But most importantly, Genesis is the beginning of the message 
of what God will do in His Son, Jesus Christ. And how His Spirit will work to bring that message home into the hearts of people. That's what Genesis is really interested in introducing you to. How do I know that? Well, take a look with me at this wonderful verse from the New Testament. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. See, the darkness that hovers over the sea here is physical darkness, yes, but it's also that. It is Christlessness. It is Godlessness. It's the absence of that which is good and meaning-giving. And it's so wonderful that Genesis, all along, in its wonderful poetic language, is introducing us already, paving the way into understanding Christ. John 1 verse 1 to 5 does something similar. I'm not going to unpack it, but it does start the Gospel of John that talks to us about Jesus. It says, in the beginning. It's the exact same words that Genesis 1 verse 1 starts with. In the beginning, John says to us, the word Christ was there. That word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things that are going to unfold in this chapter of 1, 2, 3 of Genesis, he made it. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. Not the sun, S-U-N, the other sun. That light was the life of mankind, was the light that needed to be brought into the darkness. In him was life, the light of mankind. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, it's that Jesus who is the focus of the first three chapters of Genesis, above all else. It's that Jesus who's here today. It's that Jesus that's calling you and me. It is his spirit at work right here, right now. And so can I finish by simply asking you, if you're here today, that you would place yourself somewhere in this. If you are here, but you sort of know that it's not really cutting it. There's hope and meaning that's lacking. See, the thing is, there's always false promises here. Would you consider, perhaps, that you're not a random product of chance? Would you consider questioning how solid this is? Would you consider, perhaps, that you were in fact written to be known and loved. If you're here and you've dabbled for a long time in wanting to make your own happiness in your own choices, would you consider, even though it's a bit painful, that perhaps it does not reside in you to make yourself happy? Maybe it resides in finding the one who made you who will make you happy. Will you please come along for the next few weeks as we preach through this? This is very helpful stuff if you're grappling with the world. And may you, I pray, find enough interest to find out more about this God. We're going to run some 
courses called Christianity Explored in weeks to come as well. Love to park the thought already there now, that you would explore him, that you think about him, that you'd ask all the questions and search him out, only to find that maybe it's him who's searching you out. Right? And if you know him, and if you're here, I pray that this series in Genesis for you might simply enlarge your view of the wonder and the glory of God. If nothing else, Genesis tells us that God is great, that God is good, and that God's grace to us is enormous. May it increase over the next few weeks as we journey with this. Please pray with me. Father, the grandness of what we have to do with here requires your help. I pray that you would help us. <laughs> help us. Help us to grasp the sheer size of your greatness, your goodness, and your grace. Thank you that in the first few words of your living and inspired word, you give us already an answer to the fundamental questions of where I come from. That I do come from somewhere. That I am the product of a brilliantly loving mind who wanted me. You wanted everyone here. Thank you that that's the case. Thank you that that's the truth. And thank you that that truth is very much the truth that is reasonable, wise for us to believe. I pray for every person who struggles with this. I pray for the questions that remain. I pray for the doubts. I pray that you give great security and comfort to investigate you, to ask, to grapple, to wrestle. And Lord, that by your grace, you may bring that brother or that sister into a relationship with you. Father, for those of your children who know you, who believe in you, enlarge our faith, enlarge our understanding unto your glory and unto our joy of your greatness, your goodness, and your grace. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Music team, thank you.